Hello. Here I am again, Azeti Mamat Yaakov, and the topic for today is inclusive education teaching disabled students. I'll put it under architecture education because the case study could be um, discussing about uh, the scenario for disabled students wanting to learn architecture and want to, wanting to be architect. My disclaimer, and my disclaimer uh, is that I am disabled and when I was um, studying architecture um, uh, about in, in the 80s, when I was studying architecture in the 80s, I, um, I was already a disabled person and I, some things were challenging and I managed to graduate and got a diploma in architecture at University of Technology Malaysia. And subsequently I continued my studies in the UK. So, so the topic for today is broad because I need to address something first, why this topic is raised uh, a few days ago, there were uh, media reports on, it started with a disabled person complaining about possible discrimination practice by a university. And this person felt that um, hard done by uh, because after applying into general admissions, there is a system that is general admission for the whole country and they got an interview. This person got an interview but failed in the interview uh, process or screening and felt hard done by However, it, it, this issue, which was reported on social media and reacted even by the higher education authority, they investigated, they said this person was not qualified, but why is this person accepted through the general screening, but not in the interview session? So all these things. So it led me to, um, to investigate myself based and reflected on my situation at first. Um, well, I'm trained as an architect. What, would I have a problem if I was a certain age now and I want to apply for um, apply for uh, architecture course? So apparently, I found out that at one point uh, in a certain university, if I had applied, say, about six years ago. I would not get accepted based on my disability, but they had changed that policy. And um, a few years after that, uh, say three years ago, they have changed their policy and would accept physically disabled persons. Um, okay, so I'm not gonna disclose too many things on, on the podcast. But that one is okay, I think. That was this general, that is a known situation. And this could be 
a similar thing to other courses or not. I'm not sure, but this is to do with the uh, built environment courses in a university. So attitudes, um, attitudinal barriers to uh, thinking that disabled persons are other than oneself. You know, there's the us and them mentality makes one thing that uh, judge a disabled person, whether they could um, complete or they could do a course such as architecture course. They could be successful as a, in complete, um, and, you know, in becoming an architect at the end of the day. Um, so that could be the argument, yeah. Um, and uh, this attitudinal barriers or attitudes and thinking that disabled persons um, will not be able to complete a course, will not be able to, um, you know, uh, do the, the the learning necessary in a course. Um, it's some something that's very debatable and and would be contentious or controversial, whatever you call it, in the light of the day, uh, in the light of the day's discussion in Malaysia at the moment. Uh, and it's still being investigated in terms of how much um, discrimination practice is happening in terms of not like, getting people to, to be admitted to a course at this moment. So uh, if you want to know about our country, we have laws, um, but it is administrative law. It's not a um, disability discrimination law. So uh, the issue of reasonable adjustment um, could be introduced to the existing law, and we shall see whether that will <laughs> will, material, will be effective or that you need a totally new discrimination law. So anyway, so in the... And the core of all this is the idea that a teacher or a lecturer feels that they can, to teach a disabled student requires them to do a, to do more things to provide to provide extra equipment or to provide um, uh, condition a condition where uh, they need to work harder. You know, so the, the main word here is work harder so it was kind of like a cynical thing uh, from the from a disabled activists thinking that oh yeah they have to work harder they said they don't want to do it so we have to to not be um assumptive like that we have to give the benefit of the doubt that perhaps there are other factors besides not wanting to work harder you know maybe it is a legitimate thinking or attitude where that's extra work and I need to be paid more. Yeah, that could be the attitude, but um, legitimate, of course, yeah, because maybe the pay is not good enough. Um, but also, uh, it is not only to do with the teaching staff, but also to do with the government or the providers, the higher education providers and how they wanna uh, resolve this issue. At first, there was the argument argument of the lack of infrastructure and in general ramps and lifts 
and all these other physical barriers, but behind the physical barriers, there is attitudinal barriers, which we, we feel strongly that there is. So we here is, uh, as for, for me, I'm a, um, I, I wish I, I don't have to do disability activism anymore, but uh, it seems that I still have to. So that's why the we, the we meaning the disabled activists. So, um, so we noticed that the reluctance uh, by educators to, to, to embrace inclusive education because at the interview level uh, in, in our country, you can reject anyone, including a disabled person to, to be admitted into the course. Really the control is there. So that is the, the, the argument for discrimination practice. Now, okay, I'm, what I want to go and do in this podcast is to underline the point about architecture education. Can you teach a blind person to become an architect? Um, people don't really discuss this, but I know a few blind architects. And um, those architects, Two of them, one of them passed away, but two of them, they actually went through architecture course uh, uh, sighted. They were not blind at that time. They became blind after the course subsequently. And how they run projects is um, with the assistance. Somebody has to be their seeing eye and... uh, and interpret for them the design or help to run the office, the architecture practice, and so on. So I'm not talking about physically disabled person or those who can see, because when you talk about architecture, the ability to read drawings, see lines and, 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 and images, which is something that blind person can't really see, is, um, is what people think that architects must be able to see and seeing actually seeing can be inside your mind as well and you can form things in your mind how you translate it is one thing so my argument is that you can you can train a blind person to be an architect to practice as an architect but you have to make certain adjustments so that's when the reasonable adjustment or in the UK, a term in the UK's Disability Discrimination Act and the word reasonable accommodation in the US uh, ADA. Yeah, um, that term is very important uh, with, uh, and, that, and that gives a chance for the provider to find an alternative way to assist um, the disabled person to achieve the goal of whatever the service provider promised that they would get if they got into the course. Now, um, yeah, I, I, I had a course, which, which is not the uh, main architecture course, but a blind participant was in that course and she had to learn how to read plans, building plans. So um, the sighted people will just look, oh, the plans, and then we'll discuss about how you read the plans but for uh, the blind participant, she seems to feel left out. So we, uh, me and my assistants, we, we got to do a tactile scale for her to appreciate scale. 
and then um, to translate it into a reading a drawing. And I think, you know, that's the most important thing, really. I mean, the point was, was that in that course, the participants were disabled uh, people and they wanted to complete that course. And that was a particular module that has to be doing with reading of plans. And, and the understanding about reading of plans suddenly is apparent to her when she actually used the tactile scale, scale ruler. So physical models and tactility has to be one of those equipments or, or des designed for courses that deals with blind people, obviously. There are technology, advancement in technology for them to, um, to, to get voice synthesizers or some audio feedback from, from these other, um, um, other uh, from the techno uh, from equipment of, uh, sorry, from softwares and hardwares and, and so on. So that is possible, but I haven't really gone into that. So I can't comment on that. So if people ask, can blind person be an architect? I would surely say yes, but we would have to go and do the how, of course, in order to justify what we're going to say, why we say yes. So that whether or not blind people, blind persons uh, would want to do architecture is something else. We have, I've had the opportunity to meet exceptional blind persons who was, for example, like Venkatesh. He was a master trainer and he, he knows, um, he, he uses his mind a lot and the patterns that he uses, he can negotiate space and imagine him, I'm imagining him as an architectural lecturer and he could possibly be one as well. And just from verbalizing things, you could actually make someone realize things. And he manages to do that, uh, being aware of the lay of the room and the participants and being a very disciplined <clears throat> teacher or trainer. We felt after going through that course on social mobilization, we thought that was one of the best course we ever did. He, he actually made us go to see case studies or to observe situations um, that are in um, the conditions of poverty by some disabled persons in, in around Thailand at that time. And that memory or that learning that I had is still being felt until today. You know, people will say, oh, you're ranting about, you know, you're thinking about memories and nostalgia. No, it's actually ideas about things, you know, that there is a possibility of such a thing. And that was in the year 2000. Now it's 20 years or later already. Our friends who are non-sighted, like Moses and Wang Yunglong and Nadir, they're very upbeat about a lot of things, about technology, Silaturahim you know, in Malaysia. I mean, they were doing, um, Moses was, was involved, is involved in some sort of program or the idea to create an app that can help navigate the blind persons around in Malaysia. And I mean, why can't we together with them stand by them to help uh, them achieve these possibilities? And myself, um, having to go through vision impairment, I 
I could appreciate this more and more as I age. So with that podcast, I would like to conclude on architecture education and inclusive education, teaching disabled students. Why not? Thank you very much for listening. To see you in another podcast episode.